You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Eddie Tilly. Hey, all right, man, y'all woke up this morning. Thank y'all for that warm welcome. I'm going to tell you, I'm excited about Christmas. You know what else I'm excited about? I'm going to be a granddaddy for the first time in January. Boom. In honor of that occasion, I'm rocking the old man Tony Rumbo Skechers this morning. Yes. I'm hitting that age where I'm not so much caring about the old trendy thing and all that. I just want comfort. So I got pillowy little clouds underneath my feet right now. Just rocking it and having a good old time. MT, you'll get there one day. Well, man, Christmas at Cathedral, I love this time of year. How about last weekend, the way we kicked it off? Did Tyshawn not have an incredible message last weekend? Wasn't it so good? Yes, and then our very own videographer, my man Phil, rocking the rap on stage. How about that? Who knew? We didn't know he could do that when we hired him. It's like a whole new perk we got right there, man. We're just finding out all kind of cool things about him. But my all-time favorite element from last week, was taking the lyrics to What Child Is This and joining them to that classic by the Eagles, Hotel California. Man, I mean, that's just creative, right? That is just creative, like, out of the gate. So that's what we want for every weekend. And, and Misty, oh, my goodness. My wife summed that up the best. She was here sitting with me first service. As soon as Misty was done, she just leaned over, and it was a quiet moment, and she just said, that was beautiful. Boom, she drilled it. She nailed it. I hope you guys are having a good Christmas. I hope you're in your Christmas routine, getting ready for friends and family to come to your house or you're getting ready to travel, whatever it is. Can we just at this moment go ahead and shout out to moms? Let's just shout out moms because moms, y'all do it all. Moms are the reason that we have everything we have at Christmas, right? I mean, truth be told, they do. And moms, I'm just, I just want to apologize to you because I, I was thinking about this and I thought, I was thinking of how much my wife does. And I was like, is this a thing? Like, is this like a worldwide thing? So I did some very serious research on the internet. And I found a song that proves my theory about what you moms do. Check it out. <laughs> yes. So on behalf of all the children and husbands and men in the room, we're so sorry. We're going to do so much better this year. We promise we're going to get you more than just a robe or a major appliance, okay? We're going to do much, much better. So like I was saying earlier, most of you are probably in your Christmas routines, getting everything ready. You know, it's kind of business as usual for you. You would be having a normal Christmas or what I like to call a Luke chapter 2 Christmas. Why do I call it a Luke chapter 2 Christmas? Because Luke chapter 2 is the Christmas story that we read to the children. It's the nativity scene. It's the baby in the manger. It's the star in the sky. It's the choir of angels singing to the shepherds at night. It's just a beautiful, wondrous, magical Christmas. So if you're having that kind of Christmas, that is awesome. But today's message is for a whole other group of people, and that's for those of you that may be having what I like to call a different Christmas. What makes a different Christmas? Well, it's different for different people. For instance, Christmas this year is different for the Tillies because it will be the very first time in 30 years that we have not all woken up together under the same roof on Christmas morning. That's different. Now, not for bad reasons. All of a sudden, I saw frowns. It's not bad. Nothing bad happened. It's good reasons, but it still is different, 
Right? It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't look the same. It's change and change, especially after 30 years. Man, how do you navigate that? What do you do with that? How do you keep life in that? Because that's the main goal is keeping the life and not missing the life that Christmas has to give and to offer. And I don't know what might be making Christmas different for you. Maybe you had a medical diagnosis. Maybe something happened medically and this year, Christmas just looks different for you. Maybe it's some type of financial hardship and you're trying your best to make Christmas like it always is, but it's just not there. It's just not going to happen. Just yesterday in this very room, we had a funeral for a man my age and he was a son, a brother, a cousin, a father, a grandfather, and now he's gone. And this room was packed with people that knew and loved him. So for all those people, this is a different Christmas. This week, I visited with a friend of mine who's in the Charleston County Jail. I graduated with him uh, from high school, and we played football together at Goose Creek. And uh, he's been in and out of jail a lot. He's very familiar with Charleston County, but he's in there right now facing a prison term of three to five years. So Christmas is different. And I don't know what makes Christmas different for you, but if you are here or if you are online and you are having a different Christmas, this message is for you. So just say thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Put this together just for you. So here's what I want to do. I want to read for you the exact same Christmas story from a different lens. It's not a different Christmas story. It's the same, but where Luke chapter 2 does a phenomenal job of capturing the mystery and the majesty and the wondrousness of the Christmas miracles, Matthew chapter 2 does a great job of capturing what happens when Christmas collides with life. What happens when Christmas comes into this world with real people in real life? What does that look like? And so I'm going to read through this story of Christmas, and I think many of you are going to be able to identify with it. So you'll be able to follow along on the screen. It's a little bit long of a reading, but I want to get the whole thing because we need to get this whole picture of a different Christmas. And it actually begins at the end of chapter 1 and then goes in through all of chapter 2. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star rise and we have come to worship him. 
King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him, and he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said. He will be called a Nazarene. That's a different Christmas. It's a little bit different than the classical nativity scene and set that we see. And so I want to go through... Three questions that I think most of us ask ourselves on a regular basis that I believe we can look at the story of Mary and Joseph, the Christmas story, and answer those questions. And the first one is this. Have you ever asked yourself, what is going on? I mean, how many of you wake up today and you're like, what in the world? Like, what is, is it just me or does evil seem to be getting more evil? Does anger and wickedness just seem to be growing in dissension and backbiting? Does it just seem to be getting bigger and bigger? Well, to answer that question, what is going on, all you have to do is look at this story. Because what happened when God sent his son into this earth, 
Until Jesus appeared and came to this earth, this earth had been plunged into absolute and complete darkness. There was no light in this world. No light. The light had been extinguished back in Genesis with Adam and Eve when they fell. And now Satan came and set up to rule and reign over this world. And with him came all the death and the destruction and the murder and the strife and the pain and the suffering. It all came with him. But on Christmas morning, with Mary and Joseph and that baby, what came with that baby to planet Earth was all of the power and promises of God. So what's going on is literally the greatest, most epic battle between good versus evil, heaven versus hell. In Jesus are fulfilled all the promises of God, the way of salvation for you and I, so that we're not condemned with this fallen world. We now are promised an eternity of a life that you and I can't even imagine, filled with love and joy and peace, being in the presence of God for all eternity. That's just a part of it. In him was also the redemption of all creation, a new heaven, a new earth, a place where there will be no more evil, no more pain, no more suffering. All of that was in Jesus. And when that light came into this world, not only did everyone around them recognize the light, but every bit of evil recognized that light and immediately went after it to kill it and destroy it. Same thing happens with you and I. The moment one of us decides that we're going to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're going to say, you know what? Oh, my goodness. Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross for my sins. He's alive today because God raised him from the dead to conquer death, hell and the grave. And now I can be saved for all of eternity. The moment you make that choice and that decision, all of heaven's power and life and light comes to live in you. And Jesus Christ himself sets up camp in your heart and you now are carrying that light and that life. But you know what else happens at that exact same moment? All of hell is unleashed on that light and that life. Well, daggone, Eddie, I was ready to raise my hand to get saved, but no thank you, I'll pass. (laughs) And if you look at it logically, you might think that, but what you got to understand is, man, there is nothing like living in the light. I lived the first 25 years of my life in darkness, and I'm going to tell you what, man, i got a lot more years in in light now, and you can't compare the two. You can't, there's nothing like being a light that shines in the darkness. And that's what you and I are called to do in the same way that Jesus came to be the light and the life of all mankind. When he died and when God raised him back to life, he said, now every single person that puts their faith and trust in me, I'm going to put that same light in them. And the light grows bigger and bigger and the darkness raises up against it to try to extinguish. But according to the Bible, darkness can never extinguish the light. Which brings me to my second question that a lot of us ask ourselves. What do I do with my unmet expectations? I mean, holy cow, man. You want to talk about some unmet expectations? I mean, here, do you honestly think this is what happened with Mary and Joseph? The angel appears to Mary. She sees him when she's wide awake. He gives her the message. And then Joseph, in a dream, the same thing. He sees an angel. The angel gives him the message. Do you think the next morning they had coffee and were like, oh, Mary, oh, man, we're in trouble. I mean, God just spoke to us through those angels. You know what that means, don't you? It's going to be terrible. It's going to be horrible. We're going to be running for our lives. We're going to have to go live in a land where we don't know the people or the culture. We're going to have no friends, no family. We're going to be suffering in silence. Nobody's going to be around us. It is going to be terrible. Do you think that's what they were thinking? 
Or do you think they were thinking what most of us, most of us think when God gives us a word, which is, whoo, baby, man, God just gave me a word. And it's going to be awesome. He put a dream in my heart and I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Now, that's not an unmet expectation. Because the truth of the matter is that level of excitement, that is what God wants in you. The problem comes is when we get excited about that promise and that dream from God. But the way it works out is not the way that we would work it out. And if you're not careful... When you hit those unmet expectations, when things don't go the way you think they should or work out the way that you think they should, then the enemy steps in there and says, well, that's because God's left you. That's because of your past. It's because of what you've done. It's because you messed everything up. Like you were on the path and you were doing good, but then you messed it all up. So God's moved on. He's gone somewhere else. And that's just not true. That's completely contrary to what God says. And did you notice that those angels that appeared to Mary and Joseph, not once did an angel appear to them and say, okay, here, I'm, I'm ready to give you the next step, but before I do, let me explain to you why we did it that way. Mm-mm, no. No, God just trusts us to trust Him. So when the expectations, when things don't work out the way we think they should, or when we're seeing it and it doesn't appear to be working out, I mean, do you think for one second that when they were in Egypt, a foreign land, a foreign culture, all by themselves, Mary, Joseph with a brand new baby, hiding out of fear for their life and the life of Jesus. That's at least, bare minimum, that's at least the first two years of their life. Do you think they didn't question? Do you think they didn't wonder? Do you think they didn't ask themselves, God, how in the world can this possibly be the way this thing works out? But all God says is, I just need you to trust me. I need you to trust that my word is true, that I have plans for you and a purpose for you, and they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And sometimes the way it works out is going to be amazing and wondrous and and incredible. And I want you to enjoy it and I want you to rejoice and I want you to make the most of it. But what I really need you to do is when it doesn't work out the way you think it should, I really just need you to trust me. And that's what we do with the unmet expectations. Or what about this last one? Why me? Why do these things just seem to keep happening to me? Why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. All of us ask ourselves that question. Why you? Because God chose you. That's why you. He chose you. He didn't choose you just to get saved. He chose you to be a light bearer. He chose you to have the light in the life of Jesus. You getting saved is just baby step number one. He wants you to get saved so that that light and that life can come into you. But then now he wants you to take that light into the darkness. He wants you to take it into the darkness of your family, into the darkness of your workplace, into the darkness of your friends. People that need to see some kind of light and life. They need to see something different than what this world has to offer. That's you. The promise is in you. There is a promise in you to break the cycle of addiction that's been running in your family for generations. The promise is in you to break the cycle of divorce that has been running rampant in your family for all these years. The promise is in you to make a difference that your children will not know what you knew when you were growing up. That they won't know fatherlessness, that they won't know rejection, that they won't know abandonment. That promise is in you. It's not just about going to heaven. 
It's about you and the promises of God in you. And here's the thing, is hell can't do anything about your salvation. The moment you cross the line, according to the Bible, the light and the life of Jesus comes into you and you become a brand new creation. You can't see it when you look in the mirror, but I guarantee you Satan sees it. Because now when he looks at you, you don't look dead and you don't look dark. There is a light shining on you. God says, I put my Holy Spirit in you to be a sign to all the supernatural world that you belong to me. And so Satan can't take that light away, but I tell you what he can do. He can ride you and do his best to smother that light to where nobody can see it. That's the plan. Because he's lost you. That's a done deal. He can't do anything about it. But if he can keep your light from shining, then there'll be people around you that won't get to go where you're going. That's what he's after. He's after your light. That's why, that's why Jesus encourages us and says, hey, man, in this world, it's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. But take heart because I've overcome the world. I told you earlier that I was meeting, uh, visiting with a friend of mine at Charleston County Detention Center. His name is Robert. And so I'm talking to him. And... Um, you know, I'm knee deep in preparing for this message and I couldn't help but as I was looking at him thinking, oh my gosh, man. I mean, he even looks like somebody who hell has just beat the life out of him. He's just had it bad. I mean, and granted, some of these have been his choices and his decisions, but it doesn't matter because as we're having that conversation and I began to pick up on a few things, I said, so Robert... I said, as you're talking to me, it's like I can hear faith in there. So did you make that choice and the decision to ask Christ to come into your heart, to forgive you, to be your Lord? He said, yes, Eddie, I did. He said, I absolutely believe in Jesus. I know he's the son of God. I know he died for me. And yes, he is in my heart. But I guess God's just given me the life that I deserve. Man, that broke my heart. That that was his thought. That, yep, I gave my life to God, but I've made such a mess of my life that God said, well, your punishment is going to be this for the rest of your life. And so I'm wrestling with what to say to him. I don't know what to say. He's never been to prison before, and it's a very real thing sitting right on the horizon. I don't know what to say to him, so I start having this conversation with God in my head. I'm like, God, what do I say? And he said, you tell him that I love him. You tell him, this is not my doing. I'm not punishing him for this life that he used to lead. I forgave all that. All that's on the cross. That's a done deal. I'm not punishing him for anything. I want to use him. I want my light to shine in him. You tell him, do not believe the lies of the enemy that are in his head that this is what he deserves. Do not let him buy into that. And so I started telling him, man, Robert, God, God is with you. And God is not punishing you. The Bible says that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. And he wants to use you. I said, Robert, man, you have got incredible charisma and influence. Can you imagine what you could do in there if you just let the light of God shine through you? He is with you. You are not alone. I said, best case scenario. Best case scenario, you don't go to prison. And God works a miracle and you get out. And so that's what we're going to believe for. We're going to believe that that's what happens. I said, but worst case scenario, you do go to prison three to five years. I don't want you to focus on you being in prison for three to five years. I want you to focus on the countless numbers of men that you could share that light with and change their destiny for all of eternity because of the light and the life that is in you. That's what God wants to do. Going to be hard? Sure, it's going to be hard. Good situation? No, it's not a good situation. But God needs somebody in there. 
Somebody in there has got to share the truth of the light and the love of God. Consequences for your actions? Absolutely. But God's not punishing you. All that punishment happened on the cross. And I think for a lot of us, and in, in, in a hundred percent, Hundred percent, I believe it has to do with how long you've been a Christian. Because the longer you live your life, man, life just does not let up. And I think there's so many people in this room that if you could go back to those early days when you first accepted Christ and, and you were just on fire and, and you had these dreams and you had these passions and, and you just imagined what God was going to do in your life and, and God spoke some things to you. But over time, man, life just beats you and beats you and beats you. And I think we just begin to buy into the lie of the enemy that God has left us, that he's not with us anymore. That he, not that he's you know, left us necessarily, but, but he's moved on. He, he waited and waited and waited and we couldn't get it figured out. So now he's got to move on and use and choose somebody else. And that's just not true. The truth is he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And in the Bible, Jesus talked about those that the Father have given me, I hold them in my hand. And then Paul said, you know what? Those people that Jesus holds in his hands, nothing can take them out of Jesus' hands. Not even an angel from heaven or a demon from hell. Nothing can take you out of the hand of Jesus. And nothing can alter the plans and the purposes that God has for your life. It's just it doesn't always work out the way that we think it should. And so there's a wonderful song. A lot of you know it. It's called Mary, Did You Know? And the song is about, you know, Mary, did you know what this baby that you're carrying was going to do? Did you realize that the baby you delivered will soon deliver you? That is the song. But I want us to watch this video because what the worship team does, this Maverick City, and what they do so good in this video is they worship through that song of Mary, Did You Know? But then they flip it around to say, Did you know? Did you know that what you're carrying in you, the light and the promises that are in you, are meant to change the world? They're meant to alter the destinies of people around you, friends and family and neighbors. Did you know? And so as we watch this song, I'm going to just trust the Holy Spirit for all of us, that He just dials back up on the inside of us that faith and that courage we need to begin to believe again. That yes, this might be a different Christmas, but just because it's a different Christmas doesn't mean that I'm not walking in the presence of God. And I want you to hear the Lord speak to you in this song that He has not forgotten you or abandoned you or rejected you. He is with you, and He's going to be with you through to the end. Let's watch it together. Just close your eyes with me for a minute. I think if I could put one word to the story of Christmas in Matthew chapter 2, it would be loneliness. Because there's sometimes in our life when we are alone, when there literally is no one around us, but most often, we do have family, we do have friends, but we just feel so alone. It's like we're on an island and our friends and our family just don't realize it. And we're all by ourselves and we're waiting 
for someone to come and to rescue us. But every time we look out over the horizon, we don't see anyone coming. Just sit with your eyes closed for a moment. I want to read. One last scripture was, it was Jesus. And he was about to step onto that island of loneliness right before he went to the cross. He had told his disciples everything that was going to happen. And one of his disciples said, you know what, Lord, now we get it. We believe. And Jesus said to him, he said, do you finally believe? The time is coming and it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I would say to every one of you that are alone, as you sit for just a moment, in the presence of God. And I'm just going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to whisper to your heart, you are not alone. God sees you. God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And if Jesus himself could sit down beside you right now and address that loneliness in you, he would say, I know how you feel. And I know how hard it is when you don't have that person right next to you to walk with you through this. But I'm telling you, the Heavenly Father is with you. And He will walk with you through it and He will see you to the other side. And it's not that your friends and your family don't love you. Don't blame them. They really don't know what's going on on the inside of you. But I do. I see you. And I know that there is a supernatural enemy of your soul trying to convince you that you are all by yourself, that I have left you, that I have walked away. But I've never left you. I've never walked away. I've always been with you. My plans and purposes for you have never changed. And those plans and those purposes are more amazing than you could ever imagine. And I know that you sense and feel and are experiencing darkness right now. But I'm telling you that my light is in you and that darkness cannot extinguish my light. And if you could just hang on, if you can just not quit, if you can just not give up, if you can just keep trusting in me, my will will come to pass in your life. My light will shine in your darkness and the power of death, hell, and the grave will be broken over you forever and the plans and the purposes that I have designed for you will come to pass. It will be a Christmas like you've never imagined. A Christmas that you'll experience where the glory of the Lord will shine so strong through you that everyone around you will see that light. So I don't care how lonely you feel right now. I don't care how much the enemy lies to you. You are not alone. I am with you, says the Lord God Almighty of heaven and of earth. And Father, I pray you'd seal in every single one of us right now that truth. 
I pray you'd give each and every one of us right now the strength that we need, the faith that we need, the courage that we need, the ability that we need, some of us just to put one more step forward, some of us to get out of bed in the morning. Lord, some of us to just stop thinking that it's the people around us and realize it is an unseen enemy and realize that we are going to be okay because you are walking with us. And give us the courage we need to trust you because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Would you stand to your feet? Yes, that's what Christmas is really all about. Oh, man. You know, I thought about that yesterday during that funeral that I don't know how often we just really don't understand that, you know, when we have a funeral for a believer, which that young man yesterday, young man, he's my age, young man, when we had that funeral yesterday for that young man, was that he reached the ultimate goal, the ultimate prize. That is the ultimate Christmas. The day you close your eyes here and open your eyes in heaven, that's when you're going to experience Christmas like you never do before. You don't even get it while you're here. You don't understand life and life more abundantly that the Bible promises here. We just can't. It's just too hard. That's the ultimate win. That's why Paul said, man, I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm ready to go now. Because it's far better for me to go to heaven. But then he said, it's far better for you if I stay. And I would say to every single one of you, it's far better for all of your friends and all of your families and all of your workers for you to push through the loneliness, to lean on God, to trust him, to let his light shine through you and be the light in their darkness. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week with your Christmas hats on. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.